So sent, uh, this is the final of the five, is living sent by God as missionaries in our everyday lives. So we are called by God to live as sent ones or missionaries in our everyday lives. So the word sent there, and when you read about that in the Bible, or maybe you might read the word mission, um, it is the word apostello. So sent is apostello in the Greek, okay? And it means to, to be sent. So if you are an apostle, you are a sent one, Okay, but all of us are called to be apostolic, so to live as sent ones, as Jesus sends all people out. John chapter 20, verse 19 to 23 says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So this is after the resurrection. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So Jesus says to his disciples, they're hanging around, they're kind of freaking out. So there's been, Jesus died on the cross, they're thinking, I don't know what they were thinking. They might have been thinking, maybe we got it wrong with this Jesus guy. Maybe he wasn't who, because they had an expectation of what, of what the Messiah would be. This kind of conquering, kind of battle general who's gonna come in in the natural and take over and, and wipe out the Romans and restore you know, Israel, all of that sort of stuff. So it's not happening. Next moment, they're in a locked room and Jesus is standing before them. He says, peace to them. But he doesn't say, hey, it's all good, now it's just time, come, let's hang out together or we're all just gonna go up and ascend to heaven together. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So in the same way that Jesus was sent from heaven to earth by the Father, we too are sent by the Father into the earth to do the things that Jesus did, to fulfill the mission that Jesus had the great commission, so commission, so partnering together with Jesus on this mission that he inaugurated, but he didn't finish. He started the race, he got everyone moving on that race and then he let them go to finish the race. So you and I are still in the race that Jesus started us on. 2,000 odd years ago, it was started and then handed over to his disciples who would then make more disciples who would make more disciples and it expanded and went from there. So as Jesus was sent by the Father, he now sends us out into the world. So this word apostle, it was taken from, it was a Greek word, but so it was taken from the local culture. It wasn't a particularly Jewish word, but they would have understood it in the local context. Uh, it's hard to find heaps about it, but there's an understanding that it was, there was a boat called the apostle ship um, that the Romans would send. So when they would conquer a land, this is one of the distinctives of Roman culture is that when they would conquer a land, they would come in and they would make that place just like Rome. So they would bring in the culture of Rome, the architecture of Rome, and that's how their empire spread, that everywhere where that was called, that was under the Roman Empire, looked like Rome. 
So it didn't look like the culture that was there. It looked like this new culture that they brought in. But that was part of the role of the apostle, the sent one, was not just as a messenger, but as an emissary to bring the culture of Rome to that new place. So as Jesus borrows that language and he, and he hands that to us and he says, I, as I'm sending you out, as I'm apostling you to go, part of your role is to bring the culture, the reality of heaven to wherever I have sent you. So that's our role today here on earth. We're not just sitting around waiting to go to heaven one day. We have a mission that God has invited every single one of us. If you would call yourself a Christian, you have been sent by God into the world to bring the reality of heaven into that space. All of the places that you're in. So essentially, apostles were culture transformers. And we too are called to be cultural transformers. Now again, not to bring the culture of Christianity, but to bring the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom of God. Because there is the reality, there is, a, there is Christian culture. Some of that looks like the kingdom of heaven. Unfortunately, some, some of that isn't exactly a reflection of. So we need to learn what is kingdom culture, not what is Christian, Western Christian culture, not what is paradox church culture, but what is the culture of the kingdom of heaven. And when we learn that, when we live in that, and then when we go out and express that, that is how the Lord's prayer is fulfilled. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this word apostle, now we had people in the Bible called apostles. You could call them capital A apostles. Um, and I still think today there are, according to what Jesus speaks of in Ephesians 4, uh, there are apostles that aren't the same as the guys who wrote the Bible, uh, but there are people who have a gifting of an apostle. Now again, their role is not to just be that person. Their role is to equip everyone to be apostolic. Okay, so that's the role. That's the role of an evangelist, isn't to go out and do all of the evangelizing. So we can go, oh, whew, glad someone else is doing all the, the hard work of evangelism. No, the role of the evangelist is to train everyone to be evangelistic. Okay, so if you think, oh, I'm not an evangelist, you're still called to evangelize. So I'm not, I'm, oh, I'm not an apostle, but you've still been apostled. You're still being sent by Jesus. You might not have the office of that. There's no excuse though that we get to get out of anything because we've called to be like Jesus, to live like Jesus. We've been sent as the Father has sent Jesus. So he has sent us. So put your hand up and say, I've been apostled. Hallelujah. So not all Christians are apostles, but all Christians have been apostled or sent. So like Jesus, we are all missionaries sent by God to bring the reality of heaven to earth. God may send you to nations, but it's more likely that he'll send you to your neighbours. Even if God sends you to, to, to the nations, you're still probably just gonna be talking to your neighbours. <laughs> you might be in a different, in a foreign place and that's just the place he sent you, but you're just gonna still be interacting with those that are around you. And this again is one of the, um, I think, unfortunate shortcomings of modern Christian language around mission and missionaries that we've often then talked about people. Oh, it's the people who kind of go overseas or go to uh, unreached people groups or, you know, different places, different cultures, they're missionaries. And, uh, and, and it's wonderful that God sends people and God does send people into other nations, um, but they're just being sent as missionaries into another nation where God is sending you as a missionary into your own neighbourhood 
into your workplace. So there's a part of it, this is we need an identity shift. We need to start to shift and recognise that's who I am. I am a missionary sent by God into the world to bring His kingdom. And the reality is for us now, today, if you are a born again believer, heaven is your home. Earth is not your home. The place where you lay your head at night is not your home. Heaven is your home. And that is essentially, even as the Bible says, we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we too have almost been sent from heaven. As we have heavenly encounters, as we grow in our connection and understanding and learning of Jesus, that we start to be enculturated with the reality of heaven. But we're not then just to hold that and consume that. Like if we gather every Sunday and have wonderful, amazing encounters with God and then do nothing with that, what a waste. Because you've got all eternity to do that. When you die, that's all you're gonna be doing is having amazing, worshipful encounters with God. But the reason why Jesus revealed the kingdom of heaven to people is so that they would then go and reveal that to other people. So as Jesus was sent, now he did signs and wonders to show people the reality of the kingdom. And I would say that Jesus' ministry was more about revealing the reality of heaven than it was about revealing who he was. As you read through the Gospels, it seems like Jesus wasn't actually that interested in people knowing who He was. That's, again, the Gospel message that He preached, which is kind of a little bit different to the Gospel message that we might hear in modern times. Jesus came proclaiming the goodness, the good news of the Kingdom of Heaven. He, and He actually said to people at different times, don't tell people about Me, but go and tell them the Kingdom of Heaven is at hand. Don't, don't, don't put all the focus on me. Even to the point of when he's challenged to reveal who he was before he is crucified, he kept his mouth shut. At that point, he could have said, yes, you're right. I'm the, I'm the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But he didn't. But he kept revealing the kingdom of heaven. I just find that interesting. So I think even when it comes to our message, we want to invite people and introduce people to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We want people to know Jesus and to intimately connect with Him, for Him to be their Lord, their Saviour, their friend. They've got every aspect of that. But part of what Jesus is interested in is people knowing that His kingdom has come near to them. The reality of heaven is coming to earth. Like that's what He is interested in. That's what Jesus was interested in. Now, and I wanna be interested in Jesus, but I also wanna be interested in what Jesus was interested in. I know I've shared this before, um, that initial engagement with Jesus is falling in love with Him. And oftentimes it's around, look at what He's done for us. Like we celebrate at Christmas time, we celebrate at Easter, these significant kind of holiday times, and we celebrate the significance that Jesus came to earth for me. Jesus died on a cross for me. Jesus rose again that I can have new life. It's so amazing what He has done and I love Him because of who He is and all that He's done. And that is wonderful and right. It's the greatest commandment to love God with every part of who we are. 
But I think maturing love is not just that we love God, but we love what He loves. And I think, I mean, this even happens in in a relationship, when it goes from that initial kind of spark of, of romance and then and it you know, matures into that place of then covenanting together in marriage, but then at some point you grow and you mature that you don't just love the other person, but you begin to love what they love. You begin to admire what they admire. You begin to fight for what they fight for. You begin to value what they value. And that I think is, that, um, is a maturing form of love. Now you don't wanna fall out of love with the person, but if all of your attention is simply on them, that can actually feed into a bit of selfishness and, and self-focusedness. There's a danger of that. And I think even in our relationship with God, we can approach Him and always be about what you can or have done for me. Do we celebrate what Jesus has done? Absolutely. Can we ever escape the reality that God is a God of blessing, that He is a good Father and He is good towards us and He wants to lavish life and love and blessing upon us? Absolutely, He does. But is our response then just to sit in that or is our response to say, God, I know You love me and I love You, but I wanna love what You love. I wanna, I wanna view the world how you view the world. I wanna live how you would live. I wanna love like you would love. I don't just wanna receive your love, I wanna give away your love. And I think that is part of that maturing process for us. So heaven is our home, we've been sent from that place, but this is, I think, again, an important point to, to acknowledge in our minds is that God is not wanting to send you from where you are. God has already sent you to where you are. So it's not like, well, I live, for me, I live in Callista. We live in a house, in a suburb, in a street. And oh, God's wanting to send me from this place out to somewhere else. No, God sent me to Callista, to that house that we live in, to be a missionary in that place. And God has sent me to that suburb and that region. God has sent me to here. Like I am wherever I am because I am a sent one. And I mean, part of it, we, we, were, we were living up in the city of Melville and, and God sent us down this way. It's not necessarily what we would have chosen. Um, we love it now. <laughs> um, but there may have been other places where if Lisa and I discussed, where would you like to live? We may have chosen somewhere else but we had to acknowledge, but God has sent us to this place. And we're not waiting around for God to send us somewhere else because we've already been sent and we're living as sent ones. So our street, I, I, I shared with a few people just, just this week, um, we've got a new family that has moved in behind our house. And uh, currently I'm surrounded by single women on my street. So the neighbor up the street, single woman, so probably similar age, down the street, older single woman, cross the road from her, older single woman, cross the road from her, uh, a lesbian couple, up the street from her, another older single woman. So it's great, it's wonderful, but they need Jesus. It's kind of hard as a married man to kind of connect and build relationship with, with single women, okay? So it's just been hard, it's like, oh, it's like, it's good, and I, and I, and I love and I serve in the best way that I can, but it's difficult. 
So I'm in the backyard, I'm mowing the lawn, I had my earplugs in. The next, I could hear this, like someone yelling at me. I'm like, what is, yes, Lord. And, uh, and, uh, Oi! and I don't think that's how Jesus, maybe that's how God would talk to me. Um, and, uh, and then I'm seeing, I could see over kind of our back fence, our neighbor up there. So went and chatted and he introduced himself, really friendly guy. And, and, uh, and we'll talk, he's like, I have to pop over and, you know, and, and meet you guys properly and bring my wife over. And they've got a couple of daughters, I think, and stuff. So, but I was just like, so excited. Because I'm like, yes, this guy, he's a, he's a guy. And, uh, and he doesn't know Jesus and he lives right behind me and it's good. And uh, he doesn't want to cut down the giant tree in our backyard. Um, so it's, it's all good, like lots of good things. Um, but, uh, but for me, it's just, I was just so stoked. And, uh, and then, I mean, he plays like doof doof music in his backyard. And I'm like, see, it's gonna be, I'm gonna grow in my love. Um, I really, I like, I kind of like that music anyway, so. It's good. Uh, I don't have to put my earplugs in to, so my wife can't hear it. So I'm like, look, babe, we're just going to get used to it. We're going to have to change our music tastes to blend in. Um, that's all good. Yeah. But I'm just excited about that. I'm like, yes, so good. And can't wait to just to grow in, in relationship and friendship and, and favor. And, and hopefully they'll be introduced to Jesus one day. But it's going to come not just by me looking for that opportunity to say, hey, by the way, have you heard the good news? Uh, Jesus is Lord. Um, but just to, to, that we would demonstrate the culture of heaven to them in how we love and how we open our home and how, and how we might be generous and how we're kind and, and all of those aspects. There is a culture of heaven that God wants to immerse and spread through us, which part of that responsibility is and it's got to be in us and it's got to be in that initial sphere of authority that we have. But that's what God's wanting to do. He's wanting to heaven to come to earth and it starts in me and then it starts in my home and then it spreads out from that place. So the question is, if we're all missionaries, then what is our mission? Well, this is kind of, I've adapted this from the little book that we've got for sale there. Um, you can grab the Surprise the world. It's just a short little book, but it's really good. So our mission is to alert others to the universal rule and reign of God through Christ and to invite them into a loving and life-giving relationship with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's our mission. That is why you have been created. The outworking of why you've been created is for that. There is inworking, there's work that God wants to do in you, but even all the work that God wants to do in you is so that it might flow out of you. We have lots of, we are, we are big on the heart journey, we are big on sanctification here, the internal transformation of the individual, okay? That's a big part of our culture. I believe that it's, it's good biblical kingdom culture. It's a big part of what we do. What we're not about is that it finishes with you being a bit more whole. The point of that is that you might be a better reflection of Christ to the world. So it's so important that we have this unto reality, okay? So it's not just like, yeah, I'm just really struggling and I've got some past trauma. I just want it healed up so I can feel better about myself. That's not the point of it. That, that might be your pursuit. It's not the point though. 
We're not investing time just so that you'll be better. It's where we invest time into people's healing journey so that there's this other reality. It's because we love people, but this greater reality is that the world might know Jesus because you are less consumed with your own junk. You're, you're spending less time going around maybe impacting other people negatively. You're less time caught up in brokenness and sin and things that don't bring life to the world and you're more free to live as a sent one, to have deeper fellowship with God and to invite more people into deeper fellowship with God. Amen? All right, some good news here for you. You don't have to be an evangelist to be a missionary. Anyone wanna cheer? Hooray, freedom. The reality is you are, better be Jesus. You are all evangelists, okay? So you are all, you all have something good to share with somebody else. That is all an evangelist is who want, is one who proclaims the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Possibly what we have been taught an evangelist is, is a particular personality type um, look, if we do the caricature, you know, um, hyper aware of non-Christians, hyper aware of uh, the gospel of salvation, and maybe not hyper aware of how they're perceived by others. <laughs> Love the heart of people wanting to, to reach out. But see, the problem is we go, oh, I'm not that and I don't want to be that, so therefore I'm not an evangelist, okay? I'm not that person who's out there like constantly like, hey, hey, and in, in people's face and, you know. And I mean, again, the boldness up on a train and start, you know, yelling at people about Jesus. I'm like, it takes some guts to do that. I don't know how much fruit it produces, but good on you for, for trying and, uh, and being gutsy. But I think what we've, we've boxed it in so tightly that we don't recognise that actually being a friend is proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Like it starts there, being a good neighbour, like loving people, serving people, caring for people, you know, having just loving people. Like that's the starting point for, for all of us to evangelize. It doesn't have to be like that. Now again, it's, it's, if you are that kind of person, all, all praise to you. Not praise, that's um, all power to you. That's the one. Um, I'm just caught up in my Christian language. Um, yeah. So no one is asking you to be an evangelist, but God does call you to evangelize. So God's not saying, can you be like that person? Um, God is saying, can you be you? Can you be me in you amongst them? So what does it mean to be an event, to evangelize? It means to share the good news of the reality of God's kingdom. So again, step one is, am I enjoying the reality of God's kingdom? Do I know Jesus? Do I know the one who I'm sharing with others about? Do I know him? Am I living in the reality of his kingdom? Because that's what I have to share. That's what I have to give away is that which I've possessed. Yes, I, 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 I've, I've possessed this reality of who Jesus is and then I get to share that with other people. But here's the thing, Jesus came in the flesh, which means, so incarnate is where we get the word incarnational. So God could have chosen 
to let the world know about him in a multitude of ways. The way he chose to do it was to come in the flesh, to come incarnate. Carne is Latin for flesh. So incarnational mission is what Jesus did. So in the same way that the Father has sent Jesus in the flesh, God sends us in the flesh into relationships, into workplaces, into neighbourhoods. Wherever we go, we are carrying the reality of God with us. So as Jesus was sent by the Father to come in the flesh and and enter into a time and a place and a culture, we too are sent by the Father into our world to demonstrate the reality of God and His kingdom to the world. So the time and the place and the culture that you live in, you have been sent to be like Jesus in that place. Again, what we encourage here is not to think about evangelism. The steps of evangelism are invitation to a Sunday gathering, pass them on so that somebody else can preach the good news of Jesus to them, okay? I'm I'm less interested in telling your friends about Jesus than I am you telling your friends about Jesus. Number one, because there's more, a significantly greater likelihood that you'll have the opportunity to do so. You'll do a better job at it. Even though you might think, you might think, oh, but Brad, you can articulate yourself so well. That's irrelevant. I don't know if people want a well-articulated gospel presentation. I think they wanna know, you love me, you care about me, I see something different about your life and I wanna know what it is about you that is so different. I'm intrigued by you. This is the encouragement that you would live a life that would cause other people to ask questions. I think sometimes we think about, man, how am I gonna broach the Jesus? How am I gonna squeeze Jesus into a conversation? If you live like Jesus would live if He was living in you, people will ask you questions. People will be drawn to Christ in you. People will be, will be intrigued like, you are so different. Like you respond so differently in those situations. You're like you're just at peace all the time. Why are you so kind to, to that person who everybody else seems to not like? Like there's something so different about you that they would be the ones asking you the questions. Tell me more about what makes you so different. And not different in like the weird kind of quirky way, but different as like, different to be like, I, I want to know because I'm intrigued by that. I wanna be more like you. That's again, sometimes that beginning of discipleship is that someone's intrigued by you and then you point them to Christ in you and they go, that's the answer. And then you can say, and I can bring you along on the journey of getting to know Jesus too and following Him. So you don't have to be somebody else to evangelize. Just be you. Now again, it's you being daily transformed to be more like Jesus. You're not the saviour of the world. You'll never be the saviour of the world. Jesus is, but Christ in you is the hope of glory, the Bible says. But that's, we want, we want to become little Christs, little Jesus. Like that's kind of feels weird sometimes to say, but that is what it looks like to be a disciple of a rabbi is to do everything to become just like that one. Now, obviously, if you're, if you're a jerk, stop that. Don't do that confront that, change that, okay? But I mean, be you, all of the good, redeemed, transformed parts of you. But you might be surprised that sometimes it's like, yeah, I just, I could never talk to someone about Jesus. And that's because you have a fear of man issue. That's a heart issue. So you get healed from that. And all of a sudden I can talk to anyone about Jesus. 
So again, it's, but it's not until we're confronted sometimes with those, putting those glasses on, looking at the world and saying, all around me there are opportunities for me to let people know about how good Jesus is. And if you are petrified about somebody asking you a question about your faith, then do that journey. Talk to someone and say, hey, I just need to let you know, I'm petrified that if one of my work colleagues even found out that I was a Christian, I'm petrified about that. That's okay. That's the reality of where your heart's at, but don't leave it there. So there's something going on there. Why would I be so afraid that somebody would know that I love Jesus and I'm a follower of the way of Christ? So have that conversation with someone and you might realise, I can I track back in my history. There's a time, there's a moment where there, where something happened. Maybe you're at school and you had a really traumatic situation where, where you got picked on for being a Christian. I don't know. It could be a multitude of reasons, but do the journey to figure out what it is that's preventing you. And then we've got to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us in what to say, in how to respond in every situation. But I think sometimes it's like we miss opportunities because we're not looking for them. We miss opportunities to love, we miss opportunities to be generous. Again, this beats frame it, bless, eat, abide, train, send. This is not rocket science. But the point is that it's simple and if you build these rhythms in, if you are spending time every week seeking out to bless people, inviting people to to share a meal with you, abiding with the Holy Spirit, learning Jesus and pursuing what it is to be like Him and then living your whole life as a sent one, as a missionary, I guarantee, I, I cannot see how that will not start to impact the world around you. And I'd say, if you're like, eh, I don't really know, can you give it a year? Can you commit to, I'm just gonna do it for a year and I'm gonna find out. I just have no doubt. It is the way of Jesus. It's just how he lived. And we're just wanting to emulate that in a really practical sense. You could do more than that. You could do this, whatever. It's not about ticking boxes or following some program. It's like our heart is that Jesus would get out into the world, that people would know about him. And in those places, be prepared to be challenged to do brave things. Just be prepared that God's gonna ask you to do brave things. God might ask you to talk to a stranger. God might ask you to pray for a sick person. God might ask you to do something that involves being brave. It might cost you. Cost is good. Some people need to hear that cost is good. Cost is good. There's nothing bad about cost. If you are bankrupt, then you've been irresponsible with what you have. But costing yourself is a reality of living in the kingdom. If it costs Jesus his life, it's inevitable it's gonna cost you something too. Amen? So a question for us, if our lives are meant to point people to the reality of the rule and reign of God in Christ, what are we pointing them to? If people were to look at your life and there was a direction that it's pointing, are you pointing them to the reality of Jesus? The way you live, the way you speak, the way you treat others, are you reflecting the reality of the kingdom of God? Might be a challenging question to ask, but it's important that we ask it of ourselves. What are we pointing people to? Are we creating the culture of heaven around us? So again, you'd have to ask the question, well, I don't know, Brad, what is the culture of heaven? (laughs) 
What does heaven look like? What does the kingdom of God look like? I've got like a very short list, but there is a multitude of wonderful words. But I think the culture of heaven looks like, as Jesus demonstrated, it looks like signs, wonders, and miracles. It looks like um, divine acts of God that disrupt the natural order. I'm not talking about you finding a car park at, in the middle of Christmas shopping time, okay? That may be a miracle, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those ones that's like, that doesn't make sense in the natural order that that would happen, but that's what I'm gonna look for, that's what I'm gonna pray for, that's what I'm gonna ask God for, and that's what I'm gonna expect in my everyday life, is that God would do miraculous things through my life, because that's what Jesus did. He lived a life, He just performed, and He showed people, here is the kingdom of heaven. Sick person is made well. Here's the kingdom of heaven. The person set free from demonic oppression. That's what heaven looks like. Heaven looks like peace, like the perfect peace, the peace of God, the shalom of God. As Jesus sent out the 72 of his disciples out into the different towns, that was what they were to do. Go into a house, release the shalom of God, the peace of God into that place. So it's released the reality of heaven into that place. I've, had, I've heard lots of stories about people. Some people will walk into a house, the house of a Christian will be like, man, it's just so peaceful in here. Yes, because heaven lives here. Because the culture of heaven lives in this place. And because my kids aren't home. So no, no, so. It's a joke, I love my kids, they're wonderful. Um, it looks like love, it looks like generosity, it looks like welcoming and hospitality. It looks like a place where Jesus is Lord, where the ways of Jesus, the character of Jesus is of highest priority. It looks like wisdom and revelation. Where there's wisdom and revelation is where, it's like where the kingdom of heaven is. There are lots of cultural dimensions. So then that's a very short list. There's a whole stack of them, but is, is, are the places where you reside, again, whether it be your home, your neighbourhood, your workplace, sports team, whatever it is that you're part of, is the reality of heaven being expressed through you? And if it's not, how could it be? Uh, from Michael Frost's book, he outlines some practical ways to demonstrate the reality of heaven, some practical things to pursue. So there's four of them. Uh, the first is reconciliation. So the kingdom of heaven is about reconciliation. So it's reconciling God to humanity so that we are proclaiming that God has reconciled you to Him. So you can come in and you can have relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. You can be reconciled to God. That's amazing because a lot of people, when they consider God or Christianity, they consider a divide between them. Well, I could never walk into a church. I might get struck by lightning or something. You know, there's this sense of God is far away from me. But the message, the reality that we get to share is no, God is very, very close. And that's why I love when you pray for people who don't know Jesus and they experience particularly the miraculous is they see you pray to God in heaven and He just met me in this moment. And He showed I'm not far away and I'm not here to destroy you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to transform you. I'm here to save you and change you and redeem you and invite you into relationship with me. 
It's reconciliation of humanity to one another. So again, Jesus says, people will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. So there's something in when we do right relationship with, when we honour, when we love, when we don't create division, when we don't gossip and backstab, we demonstrate the reality of heaven by how we treat and love one another, those who are Christians and those who are not. But sometimes there can be toxic relationships in the church itself. Well, how on earth are we going to demonstrate this reality of this amazing reconciling God if we can't even live in reconciled relationship with one another? If we're always preferring ourselves above others, which is the opposite of what Jesus told us to do. Consider others more highly than yourselves. Boom, do that for a week. Challenge, do that for a week. Consider others more highly than yourselves. That might be the most confronting thing you'll ever do. But that's what we're called to do. That's the way of Jesus. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm just sick and tired of us spending all of our time doing so many things that have nothing to do with what Jesus was all about. The simple commands of Jesus. God is reconciling humanity to creation. So I'm not saying that we go to the nth degree of being, you know, kind of environmentalist and all that stuff, but we should care about creation because God's hand made it. It, there should be an interest for us. And I'll leave it up to your conscience as to how far you take that interest, but it's, we, we love God's creation. We love what He has created. We care for and we steward what God has given to us. And God is also rec uh, reconciling humanity to itself. Sometimes it's a big part, it's just us being reconciled. That internal transformation, that internal sense of knowing and discovering what our identity is. I think a lot of, we need to be reconciled to ourselves sometimes. We need to be confronted with ourselves in order that we can be reconciled to ourselves. Another reality of heaven to be expressed is justice, which is seeking the welfare of others. So serving the poor, fighting against injustice. And again, this is something where some parts of the church are big on social justice and some aren't, but we should all be fighting for justice for the oppressed. That people would live in freedom from oppression because that's what God does. He frees us from oppression. So therefore we go out and we are to free other people from oppression. A little known on that as well, it's not just the injustices that impact us personally. Really important. I feel like, Lots of people are all about justice at the moment, particularly when it comes to vaccine mandates and all that sort of stuff. But part of me is like, why aren't you that concerned about injustice all the time? I'm not saying that people who are, they're not, I know there's people who are up in arms about this and they're always up in arms about injustice, okay? So I'm not targeting anybody in this comment, but I'm saying I have noticed that a lot of people stand up, Christians in particular are standing up, but it's like, but I don't see people fighting for the injustice of the unborn, fighting for the injustice of the poor and the oppressed, those who are, who are trafficked globally. There's more people in slavery today than there ever has been in any time in history. So I'm just saying in that, it's great to have a value for injustice, but don't, not just the things that like, oh, this is impacting me now, I'm gonna get all up in arms and oh, it's injustice. I'm saying carry that value into every area and let's fight 
for all areas of injustice and have a value for that. So it's defending and upholding the dignity of all people. Not just those, not just Christians, not just those that we like or those that we agree with, all people. No one should be oppressed. Amen? Another uh, thing that reveals the reality of heaven is, is beauty. Beauty reveals the creator. Go sit up on top of a mountain, go sit and watch a sunset. There is something captivating about God's creation and the beauty and he reveals himself through his creation, looking at the stars at night. Like that is God revealing himself. It actually says in the book of Romans that humanity is without excuse because God has revealed himself through creation. It's enjoying, so it's inviting people to enjoy beauty, but it's also expressing beauty in what we create. In what we express to the world, there is something, it's, it comes in the form of different types of art, but it can be just in how we live our lives and how we express ourselves that we place a value on beauty. And the final of the four that he outlines in the book is wholeness. So restoring broken people. And this is body, soul, and spirit healing. Body, soul, and spirit. So this is bringing people into a place of wholeness. That reveals the reality of heaven. And it's not just, so it's not just physical healing, but it's also people's souls. It's again, it's the heart journey. It's actually being transformed on the inside. It's people being set free spiritually. So the first step of that is meeting Jesus, being born again. But the other part is that we would, um, then live expressing the reality of the spiritual dimension. Casting out demons, that's spiritual healing from oppression for people. It's the supernatural dimension coming into the world. Amen? All right. So a good reflection question. So this is, this is what you would do at the end of a week, is you would look back and say, how have I announced or demonstrated the reality of God's kingdom to the world around me this week? Now, you might have never asked yourself that question and that's okay. But again, part of what we're trying to infuse here is an intentionality in our lives that we maybe break out of, of a, just a cycle of Christian culture and we actually start to get intentional because intentionality will produce the fruit of kingdom expansion. Heaven's not going to expand accidentally because God has chosen you to do that thing. So the reality is, <laughs> you are God's plan A. God doesn't have a plan B. He's like, I'm not just like, hey, look, if you guys wanna help me out with this, you're welcome, but if not, I'm just gonna get on and do it. God is waiting for the church to do what it's called to do. God is awaiting His bride to wake up. God's not thinking, ah, you know, stuff, I'll just, I'll just do my own thing. He's actually promised, even in the story of Noah, he's promised not to destroy the world because of its waywardness anymore. So he's not just gonna come, I'll just start again and wipe out with a flood. He is, he is waiting for us to do what we've called to do. He's not waiting for us to produce another worship album He's not waiting for us to, to build a, a larger auditorium. He's not waiting for us to, you know, get better at preaching sermons or I don't know, whatever 
there is that can dominate Christian culture. He's, he's waiting for us to take seriously the fact that I've sent you out into the world. So what are you doing with this life that I've given you? Our activation challenge for this week is to write down all the places and all the people that God has sent you to. How are you or how can you demonstrate the reality of the reign of God in Christ in each of these places? And what is one thing that I could do this week to see this come about? So I encourage you, set apart some time, preferably earlier in the week and say, where are all the places that God has sent me? Okay, so he sent me to this home in this neighbourhood, in this particular street. He sent me to this workplace. He sent me to this friendship group. He sent me to be part of this sports team. He sent me to shop at this local shopping centre. He sent me to get my Tuesday morning coffee at this coffee shop. He sent me to, to, to this place and that place. And these are all the places that God has sent me, including he sent me to be part of Paradox Church. God has sent me already. He's not waiting to send me. He's already sent me. I'm a sent one. Then it's asking, well, how am I or how could I bring the reality of heaven into those places? So again, I'd encourage you, write a big, long, exhaustive list. Well, at my work, what are some things that I could do? What are some opportunities? If you think, I can't think of anything, ask the Holy Spirit. He is infinitely creative. Don't think about, well, I know what my friend did one time. No, 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 ask the Holy Spirit, what do, you, what do you, what could you do? What do you want me to do? And he might give you a quirky idea. So I'll run with that. And then choose out of that long list for this week, what's one thing that I could do this week to see this reality come about? And go and do that thing. There might be five things. Be courageous in what you do. People are dying every moment not knowing Jesus. And we know him. I think we need to um, ask ourselves, how much do we really value what we have received? That's just a good, harsh reality to ask ourselves. And how much do we want those that we know and care about and live amongst, how much do we want them to know this Jesus? And how much would we, we be willing to cost ourselves for that to happen? Romans chapter 10, 13 to 17 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Not preaching up here, preaching you talking about Jesus. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The message of Jesus. Hearing comes through the message of Jesus being proclaimed, the heart of God being revealed through your lips. God's kingdom comes through the hands and the feet and the mouths of his people. You are God's plan A for world transformation. God is relying on you 
for his kingdom to come. But will you respond to his call? It's, it's a weird thing to feel like it's all on me. <laughs> but it's all on you. Because God has put it all on you. He's done his part. He's not saying just barricade yourself, build a bunker, get out of the way until I return. It's all on us. And that's not to then be over-responsible and then become, I've got to save the world. No, not at all. It's being responsible and acknowledge that God has sent me out into the world to let people know the good news that I have received, that I don't wanna keep to myself, but I wanna share with everybody. And God, if it's embarrassing, if it's confronting, if it, if it doesn't work out all the time, I'm willing to count that cost, Jesus, because you certainly did it for me. But we have to respond to the call. We have to choose. I'm actually gonna purposefully direct my life around the ways of Jesus and what He did and what He said. Otherwise, it's just not gonna happen. Jesus didn't accidentally show up on earth one day. He was sent by the Father. We too have been sent by Him into the world. Amen? Amen. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. <laughs> I'm speaking this as much to me. It's like, we just need to hear. Like, it's, it's, it's just this basic, but it's that confronting. Like, he is, and he's commanded you to. So I'm sorry if you're, oh, I'm just not sure if I'm in that season. He's commanded you to. He doesn't say, in this season, it's got irrelevant. Like, if, you've, <laughs> if you're so consumed with your own self, you've just missed it. You've missed it. God is, is not that consumed with you and your stuff and, and your needs. He's like, but there's people who have nothing and you have so much. Take your little and give that away. Cost yourself. People die every day for the sake of the kingdom, to spread the good news of Jesus. And man, it's just what a shame that we've become so comfortable in the world that we live in. And so unwilling to become uncomfortable for Jesus. Am I speaking out of turn here? I'm, not, I'm like, I'm just, I, I, like, I need to hear this. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what are we doing? Because I'll die one day and I'll look back of all of those people who could have known Jesus, but I kept my mouth shut. How devastating. And as I look around, you know, this room, it's like this room could be filled with people worshiping Jesus, being trained to be liver sent ones. But it's not gonna happen through me. It's gonna happen because you will live on mission and evangelize your friends and your neighbors and your work colleagues. I've, I've, I've made a decision when we started this church that the leadership of this church, whoever that is and becomes, is not gonna take the responsibility off your shoulders because then you'll remain as infants and I'll be over-responsible. I'm gonna be responsible for what God has made me responsible for. And I'm gonna release you to, to do the same. But that is how Jesus set up the kingdom to work. That is how exponential world transformation happens. It's through everybody seeing like, oh, you mean I can do it? 
Yes, you can do it. If you can say, Jesus is Lord, you've got something to offer another person. Amen? All right, let's pray. Would you like to stand with me? Well, Father, I thank you that, uh, I just get the sense, Lord, that you are bringing us out of a season of rest. You are activating us, Lord, into a season of action, God. That you are raising us up as your army, Lord, your ambassadors, kingdom ambassadors, Father. And Lord, we thank you for, for Sabbath rest that you invite us into, Lord, but that is when we rest from your work, not rest from our work, Lord. But Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have invited us to participate in what you are doing on the earth. And God, it is going to cost us. And Father, I, and I invite anyone else, we say yes to your call, Lord. We say yes to your call, Lord, and you will give us the courage, you will give us the power, you will give us the wisdom, you will give us the strength, and it might cost us everything, Lord, but it'll be so worth it because you will be glorified. The nations will know you, Jesus, and people will be saved. People will be transformed. What more meaningful life would there be to live than to say, I gave it all for Jesus. As he gave it all for me, I gave it all right back, every part of my life. And Father, we thank you that you give us moments in life to enjoy, that we can enjoy our friendships, Lord, and we can in, enjoy the beauty of food, the beauty of creation, the beauty of relationship, Lord. And so you're not calling us to live just this kind of stoic, disconnected life. No, I'm just all about the mission. No, it's as we go together, Lord. You invite us as family and friends and loved ones to do this journey together, Father. But Lord, we don't wanna end with enjoying one another, God. But Father, that we would open the doors, that we'd swing wide the doors, Father, and invite the multitudes in to know You, God. Father, You have gifted us this amazing place. And Lord, we know that You've set apart space for the transformation of individuals, Lord. But Father, we pray that this room, God, would not be able to hold what You are bringing in, Lord. And you're only bringing it in because you're sending us out, Lord. It's what we will bring in, God, into this place as people are, are desiring to worship Jesus and be connected to community because they're already being discipled by everyone who is living as a sent one, as a missionary. And so, Father, as, uh, as you have uh, called me, Lord, even to, to carry that apostolic anointing, Lord, I pray for an impartation right now, Father. I commission your people in this community to live as sent ones, Lord. I, I join with that word and apostle us, Lord. As you have apostled us, Father, we say, yes, Lord, would you send us, God, into the world? Would you send us, Father, into our neighbourhoods, Lord? Would you send us into our homes, Father, into our workplaces, God, that we would see your hand at work. As Jesus saw the Father and He did what the Father was doing, Lord, we thank You, God, that You are already at work in those people's lives. You're already at work, Father, and we're just coming in to partner with the work that You are doing. 
But Father, I'm excited, Lord, for even for next year, God, just for expansion of Your Kingdom, Lord. Not just in individuals being saved, Father, but the culture of heaven, Lord, infiltrating every sphere of society, Lord. I thank You, God, that You are already downloading strategies, Father, to Your people as to how this is going to be done, Lord. So we look forward to the outworking of those strategies, Lord. We love You, Jesus. And we want the world to know you, God. But we acknowledge that you have chosen us to be your mouthpieces. We have chosen us to be your hands and feet. And we wanna take that responsibility seriously, Lord. And we continue to say yes to you as you send us out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Be encouraged, be empowered as you enter into your mission field. If, uh, if you are needing prayer for anything, uh, you're welcome to come forward. We've only got a small team here today, but we'd love to love on you. If not, stick around. We have food. Caesar salad. Amazing. Chicken Caesar salad. Hallelujah. Oh, do we have questions? No questions. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. Love you guys. Bless you. Please, hopefully that, I know it might be a hard way that you're encouraged and inspired to go and take the kingdom to the world. Amen.